Hello, this is Peter Davison. You're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. episode 486 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where the doctor's problems come in value packs with a tiny master bonus gift. I'm Haley. I'm Jay. I'm Kier. And I'm Julie. This week, some unexpected changes wash up on the shore, and a few more pop out of a Fisher-Price evil laboratory toy set when the TARDIS lands on the planet of fire. A misfiring chameleon, remember them? And an unusual distress beacon bring the TARDIS to present-day Earth just long enough for a new face to come on board in the form of Perry Brown. No time to deal with unexpected guests because the ship now whisks Perry, Turlow, and the Doctor, oh yeah, and Chameleon, to a rock-strewn barren planet that we, we swear is totally not a rock quarry. <laughs> the indigenous people there are dealing with a struggle over beliefs, all somehow connected to Turlow's still nebulous backstory. But that's really not the worst of it. No, no, that honor goes to the master, who is controlling Chameleon from within an itty-bitty control box, because apparently he hit a bit of a snag while trying to upgrade his tissue compression eliminator. Well, I should get you home. Oh, must you? Oh, yes. Your friends will be worried. It's funny, but just before I met you, I, I was saying I, I wanted to travel, and I've still got three months of my vacation left. And you want to travel with me? Is that an invitation? Actually, it was a question. We won't get into the issue of using 94 minutes of airtime to tell 27 minutes of story. But what are some of the positives we can draw from Planet of Fire? Valiant efforts at American accents. <laughs> okay. They were yeah. Made. There, there was an effort made, yes. Yeah. And it establishes a baseline for Nicola Bryant, I think, because you look at that as one of her first attempts at it. And it is a valiant – she does far better than a lot of other Brit- British actors do. True. But how far she has come – with the, some of the big Finnish audio that she still does to this day, and her American accent is flawless. So You can at least tell that they are not supposed to be British. Yes. I I didn't notice she was attempting an American accent until she mentioned being from America, and I was like, oh yes, there is an American Quotey Fingers companion. Right. <laughs> right. How'd they land one of those? But no, I think there are a lot of positives from the story. Julie, you you particularly like this one. I did. I liked this a lot. I thought, as usual, the reveal of the master was very intriguing. 
I liked how the science religion uh, I don't want to call it combat, but the juxtaposition. I thought it was really well handled and I liked the use of the levels of the rock quarry. We had various (laughs) (laughs) heights at which they were running across and jumping, sliding, rolling down. the way they dress the quarry too at certain points when they especially when you get into the fourth episode where the volcanic activity is starting to happen was a decent meshing of footage i think i i think it did a pretty admirable job of fooling a 1984 audience i also yeah. love anytime they bring the master's tardis in and we get to see how he chooses to disguise it yeah yeah it it tends to be a rock column or a stone column like Frequently, though, well, that's I, I think he has determined that that is a, a particularly effective form of natural camouflage. True. Yeah. So, yeah, blend into the architecture. But we got to see the interior really well, which is badass. You know, it's all done in black and really, really dark grays. And yeah, and the round things were still there. So yeah, it's still but a they tardis. were black round things. Yeah. Grr. <laughs> I think he might but be the bad guy. <laughs> no way. Gasp. I think it allows him to trick the locals very easily. And I also love the difference in how the doctor comes in and very clearly explains, no, no, I'm not this thing. And the master doesn't even say anything. He just nods. Yep, that's through chameleon, of course, but Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. accepts whatever deity he's being put up as. Yep, Mm -hmm. that's me. And any of these other things I command you just very easily slips into whatever society he is about to yeah. dupe. Yeah, he's got to be great in an improv troupe. <laughs> Always yes and. Yeah, he accepts all <laughs> offers as long as they're power offers. But, I mean, the the idea of how Perry comes to be on the ship, you know, it's a, it's a decent setup for saying, okay, well, you know, she was looking for some travel, <laughs> looking for some time abroad. You got it. <laughs> um, and it frames it with a three-month window. Okay, I got three months. Can a, the Time Lord get it right? Time, right. In a time-traveling machine, so they'll do all this crazy stuff in much longer than three months and then deposit her two weeks after school starts. Yeah, yeah. She'll probably miss the synopsis and getting her syllabus textbooks. Oh, well. She's really going to blow the classes that grade on attendance. so we we finally got the uh what it was that the turlo's been so twitchy about for the 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 full season and the the truth kind of gets thrown at us really quickly after after all that mystery and build up so what what does everyone think of the reveal and shockingly quick resolution to his arc I honestly have to wonder if this was something they knew about his character when they wrote him or if they said, this will do, because it seemed so forced right at the end. And we've never seen the symbol. He's never mentioned which planet. He's never mentioned other than that he knows how to fly a TARDIS. So you get a little bit of that, but he's never mentioned anything military, anything family. So for me, it felt out of nowhere if you go back and look at some of the asides that turlo gives when he's when he's trying to be uh, elusive or vague there are hints that i think this was structured all the way through this was this was the plan for for turlo all along 
the I think what I appreciate about the way that it got doled out was you start to get an answer, and it almost sounds as if oh he's he's uh, nobility. This must have been you know this was yeah. the ship that his father was on. Oh. Oh, how wonderful. Look, it's a vessel from Coruscant kind of a thing. But <laughs> but then you you get this whole political exile thing thrown into it as well, or that it's a prison ship. And that's a whole kind of like, you think you've finally got the, the answer in front of you, and then the answer comes with one more left turn just to kind of throw you a little bit. I, I, I appreciated that. I like the story. I wish it had been doled out over more time period. So maybe like exactly. two stories ago, we get, oh, he's nobility. And then we get the story where, oh, actually, prison history. And then we get this story where it's the resolution of that conflict and he departs. I agree. Right. It, it needed a little bit more time to breathe. It it was an interesting story. And I feel like I was like, okay, I I appreciate Turlo more now. Because like you said, Kier, it's going back and looking at some of the history that we've had with him, it does play into it. I don't know if this was you know all laid out. Uh, like step by step the whole thing, but it fits what we've gotten so far. And I feel like it really could have been an interesting way to give him the send off if it had had a little bit more time to breathe. It might've alleviated a bit more of the vitriol that Turlo instills in people. Yes. Mm -hmm. If we had gotten a little more reason to be compassionate for him. Yeah. Yeah, before I, now, I was actually thinking that like if we had had this story spread out over the last half season or so, I might like Turlo and not be happy to see him go. Um, mm. I mean, you know, I had mentioned maybe doing it over two stories, but maybe even earlier than that, like you get the oh, the source of his haughtiness is this aristocratic background. And then, you know, half a season ago, we get, oh, actually, he's exiled and he can't go home. And then so when he finally can go home, you're like. Oh, I'm so sad to see him go, but I'm so happy for him that he gets to go, you know. I don't know. Yeah. I for me it also highlights the fact that the doctor has never asked Turlo where are you from, what you doing. It, right. It, I think it was even in the third episode of this installment. So you you get him kind of doing that turn of, "Oh yeah, you know, I've never asked you that before. Why is this important now?" And hmm. then 20 minutes later he's gone. So I think that really for me it kind of dulls the compassion of this doctor for sure. Well, that leads me to something that was sticking with me. I'm hung up on the fact that in those final moments, the doctor, I feel, gave Turlo a far more heartfelt goodbye than he gave to Tegan, So, which, which I don't think was necessarily earned. In fact, I'm, I'm fairly positive. I don't I don't feel that it was that that a, a warmer send off was was due to Turlo than it was to Tegan for for what had been accomplished. So is this an implication in some way that the doctor actually cared for or respected Turlo more than Tegan throughout all of this? Or is this just a case of sexist writing? It's almost like at some point the writers decided that Tegan was supposed to be this annoying character that the audience didn't like. And Turlo was the new one that was going to come in that everybody did like. And I think that's not the reality of the audience's experience, but that's how they wrote the departures. That's a really good point. I like that theory a lot because <laughs> I feel that they wrote their characters somewhat in that way in general. Having the doctor be more combative with Tegan, 
mm-hmm. he responded differently to them both. And they were there for a lot of the time together. And so seeing that juxtaposition, especially in their outbound, it's really telling. And I liked Tegan better and felt like she got a short end of the stick. I agree. And I, I think that uh, to Haley's point, I think that the the writers were like, oh, well, Tegan is this, you know, this person that the doctor has to protect. And there's, you know, uh, he's she's almost like his pet, basically, where Turlo was treated more as a colleague. He was able to fly the TARDIS. He was able to you know, just be like, hey, go program an algorithm real quick to take care of Chameleon. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, so Turlo was treated more as a colleague, whereas Tegan was was not. So, Although Tegan handled herself better in every situation and Turlo crawled around <laughs> and <laughs> was hiding and running. and But not always while the doctor was watching. Exactly. It was when it was the two of them and he was having panic attacks and she was like, get through the air duct, you schmuck. Yeah. <laughs> With one companion inbound and another outbound. A truly goofy master mishap. How does this story do on our rewatch or recommend evaluation? Kier? I think it's rewatchable for a handful of reasons. The story is not a bad story. It's mm-hmm. it's a little long-winded at points, but then again, hey, this is classic who. It's, it's bound to happen with about 80% of what you're viewing that you could tighten it up. But you've got uh, the introduction of a character and, as, as you just said, Julie, one in and one out, which you, you want to be able to see how those transitions happen. Perry is an interesting new dynamic uh, with her youth and her sort of naivety about uh, about well pretty much everything, but her eagerness to to want to just have the adventure because she seems to be that sort of persona. Getting the resolution to Turlow's issues, or at least the last we have to deal with his <laughs> issues. And uh, hopefully, uh, well, and we saw Chameleon blow up, so we never have to deal with that again. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and there, the the dealing with the master in this particular instance was comedic. I yeah. mean, it was downright stupid. Can we talk about his little tiny box? Yeah. Or is that I not mean, a thing that we want to talk about? No, no, no. We'll just <laughs> talk about his little box like that. <laughs> it was it was an interesting way of, of going about it because you did you had the the master show up. You know, fully menacing, doing the whole thing. He's like, oh God, he's he's got control of the TARDIS. He's got control of Chameleon. He's got all these things going on. And then it was like revealed. It's like, oh no, he's he's like Barbie doll sized. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, it it was funny. Like that. this is one of the first times I can remember like actually laughing out loud at a classic who in a long time. Yeah. I wanted to reach down and flick him in the forehead. Like <laughs> just don't. They could have gone even further with the sort of the slapstick element. Well, maybe not slapstick, but just the idea of the mockery. Mm-hmm. I loved seeing him in the console, like almost grocery shopping, like, oh, I'll do this and I can do this <laughs> and put this together. And Look at this diode. It's the side of my head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and how fun for props department to make all those things. Like, I imagine boop, so. Boop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then if, as far as uh, recommendation, I think for a lot of the same reasons. I think this may be something where you can show it to somebody and say, you know what? It's not always uh, high glitz and 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 super polished, but it can be enjoyable for a lot of reasons for its clunkiness at times because it still puts the effort in. Uh, yes, Perry's stepdad slash 
the the chameleon master in the silver paint and the and I think that that seemed like a very strange choice to 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 utilize for three out of the four episodes. But as we were talking about offline before it started, it you know maybe you saved a little money on the casting because you only had to pay one guy. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Haley, yeah. rewatch recommend. I mean, a lot of this everybody's already said before. It's a pretty entertaining story. Um, I I kind of thought about it. If you really break it down, there's three bullet points, and all three are bullet points that would usually make us put it on a recommended list. You've got a character going out. You've got a character coming in, and the master's in it. So. You know, those three points alone would have us put it on the list. True. Jay? Yeah, I mean, I I, I have to agree. Like, it, it's not it's not a bad story. I, it, you know, like you mentioned it earlier, Julie, the, the whole religion versus science aspect was, was pretty compelling from the jump. And it wasn't handled horribly. So, like, it, it has some really compelling stuff to it. And then you do have the, the companion – uh, entrance and exit and things like that. And it's, and just like I said, I mean, I l- actually laughed at this one. I thought it was great. So it, I, I absolutely will end up rewatching this one. And yeah, I think that it, it can go on a list of things to recommend. Agreed. Yeah. Would definitely include it in a rewatch for me. I think it's got all those beats and I feel like I would see more things in the background or some of the pseudoscience played out and, pay attention to some of the other motion that was going on. Mm -hmm. And I think from a, as you were saying, pull this out, there's some of, some of each of those elements that makes a doctor who story all throughout. And so I think even if you were to show this to a viewer who's relatively new, I don't think that they would miss too much of, well, who's that or who's this, because you get a lot of intro outro. And I mean, (laughs) Turlo's entire story basically yeah, wrapped up really all in one. You haven't really missed anything so with Turlo. Miss nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like you know who he is. He does all of his tropes right here. And I think there were enough other characters to play off the doctor that you don't only see him with those moments and it rounds him out enough. So, yeah. Well, good. We'll put this one on our include it for all the things list. I think so. This this season ends Strong. I mean, we're at the penultimate here, uh, so mm-hmm. it definitely is on an upswing, and maybe that's because of Turlo. All right, I, I'm done beating on oh. Turlo now. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm not really done, but okay. Look, he saved a bunch of people, okay? He does. He does. He was very um, pseudo-heroic at the it's end there. Uncharacteristically. <laughs> Gotta go out big. He he both went big and went home. Best of, best of everything. <laughs> Well, uh, next time we come back, we'll have uh, we'll have some new stuff to talk about. As the the four of us are going to be flying out to California for Gallifrey One. Right. So we'll do a little brief um, check in before Galley arrives in mid February. We'll just do a quick rundown of what we're looking forward to, um, you know, what's showing up on the on the panels and on the schedule that is. Loaded, and once again, it's one of those years where we have to sort of split our decisions and say, "All right, do we do we want to stay in the in the big room and just camp there for days, 
Uh, or do we want to relinquish our seat and actually try to make it to, to some of these things happening in the ancillary room? So it's a lot, um, but we've got a lot of folks to visit and we're really looking forward to, to seeing a lot of faces that we haven't seen in quite a long time when we come back. Well, come party with us. Please, please do. Find we'll us be, in the lobby. We'll be in the lobby. <laughs> Let's well, all go. <laughs> Jay's never going to get to finish God. the outro. We're just going to keep saying, and then, and then. <laughs> Well, this has been episode 486 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Jay saying, I, I, I don't want one of the full size. Do you have a fun size, Master? <laughs> and this is Kier saying, do the people of Tryon really know that by revoking Turlo's exile, that means he's actually going to come back to them? <laughs> <laughs> and this is Julie saying, look, I must say to all of you that real power of my control is well beyond your inadequate comprehension. And this is Haley saying, look after him, won't you? He gets into the most terrible trouble. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Allons-y. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. Jacob Hansen. Gallifrey Public Radio is copyright 2023. We'll see you next time.